the What I Watch Tonight show. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the What I Watch Tonight show. My name is Matt Hudson and I'm the John Hammond of the website whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Um, in these episodes, I chat with the guests that specialises in or remove, enjoys movie reviewing, discussion, or indeed directing, uh, putting some questions to them, basically just talking movies, uh, as this is not a show about gardening. So for this show, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the director of upcoming flick, Red Heart Blank Face, Samuel Sheffield. Samuel, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on, mate. No problem. Uh, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Amsterdam at the moment. We're in the middle of shooting the film. So, yeah, it's busy, busy, busy over here. I can imagine. I mean, usually I ask, I'd ask people, what else do you get up to during your day when, it, when you aren't doing movies? But I'd imagine most of your time is literally doing movies. Oh, yeah, it is. But unfortunately for this specific film, like we're funding it ourselves. So I, uh, when I'm not working on this film, I work at a hotel trying to like pay for my artistic lifestyle here in Amsterdam. And it does cover it, but it's it's a fair balance to make. Yeah, um, that's the beauty of the film that you're doing. So we'll get into that now. So, so it's called Red Heart, Blank Face. Mm. Um, can you explain what the movie's about and how it came to be in the first place? Oh, well, it's a long story, but uh, I guess we've got time. Um, I Yeah, uh, I, I made a feature film, a lo- another low-budget feature film back in Melbourne. And the way I've always wanted to kind of make films is I want to kind of do something for charity, like go hand in hand. So we yeah. made this low-budget feature film and we partnered up with a charity in Melbourne called Beyond Blue. And we raised some money there. And it was such, uh, I don't know, it was one of those experiences that I can't, I can't really translate to anybody else unless you've been through it yourself and it was just so rewarding that I wanted to go like you know bigger um, and better for the next project so I decided to move to Amsterdam and I'd been writing different projects but uh, like any kind of any filmmaker will tell you like you have to really feel it because you live with the project for years on end you have to kind of love it for a long period of time and what I was finding that all the projects I had written after our first feature film I wasn't I liked them but I didn't love them and during this period of my life I was single I was using tinder and I was just really amazed at the the world that tinder brought like it it opened up my social life and it made me it let me um, introduce to a lot of different people and then I had a friend over one night and it was just it's a classic thing when you're single um where we're just sharing tinder stories <laughs> it's like you get together with your friends and you start telling tinder stories or this tinder date or a tinder date you heard here and then this idea popped into my head it's like okay what if we can kind of do a film that kind of conveys the experience of what it's like to be single in today's generation in the millennial generation because it's completely different to what it was like 10 years ago i remember oh, yeah. growing up and internet dating was kind of you know a bit shunned upon it's like oh that's a bit desperate yeah it was taboo once before wasn't it yeah absolutely correct and now you look at it and everyone i know who's single has gone on tinder used tinder to some degree or even if they haven't they know somebody who has so i thought it was a really good kind of platform to look at and so um but it's like how do you how do you kind of write a film about tinder or like you know dating apps and everything and so Mm -hmm. 
um, yeah, I, 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 that's what I was trying to balance with. And a, a lot of that, a lot of that process of uh, like workshopping the script and kind of being creative with the ideas was c- kind of reflecting on my own life and my own stories and stories, personal stories that friends had told me of their Tinder experiences. And when it, when you, when it comes down to the core idea, a lot of people who use Tinder, it's basically, yeah, sure. It's for sex. It's for like socializing, but it's, it's these people trying to find love and or mm-hmm. their idea of what love is. And so, uh, I, I, man, sorry. I, I go on these tangents every yeah, now and again. So I'll, on, I'll, no I'll, I'll try and keep focused with the question. Uh, and so I wanted to do a different format than what I'd been seeing in the movies. Like you, Matt, I love going to cinema. And mm-hmm. But after a while, I was getting a bit tired of the three-act structure. Like, it becomes a bit formulaic after a while. Yeah. Sure, movies can be big and grand, but when they start telling the same story but with, like, different characters, I just I, – I don't know. I, I kind of wanted to do something different. Um, and so what we've done is we wrote – like uh i myself and a friend of mine we designed 16 characters eight female eight male and i wanted to kind of track each and every single one of them so it's a big ensemble cast and each of them i I don't want to give too much of the film away but the film focuses on a specific character at a certain time and Mm -hmm. it starts off with the character of rosie she's a backpacker from australia and she's trying to look for love but after a series of unsuccessful events she decides to give tinder a go and her first tinder date causes like this domino effect of tinder dates and yeah that's basically the story um but yeah, I, I've 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 been working on the project for over a year now, and it's just been an absolute blast. I love it. That's what drew me to it being intrigued by the film. In terms of the story, it sounds almost like a romantic film. Um, is it a rom com? Would you say, or is it more romantic, more uh, comedy, or a bit of both? Or yeah, well, it, it does have like yeah, it does have romance, drama, and comedy aspects. But the way I've been trying to approach it is, I like I did study a lot of like I, I personally I love all genres of films, and yeah. like romantic comedies is definitely a highlight for me. Like I love Notting Hill, I love When Harry Met Sally, all that. The classics. But, yeah, exactly. But it's it's really funny when you kind of think of romance romantic films, you always think of like romantic drama or romantic comedies. But yeah. I thought I would love to take a different approach, and what I. Try what we're trying to do with this film is try and take more of a documentary approach and capture real life because like a lot of these characters are based off like my own personal um, events in my life, as well as uh, pers- people I know personally, I thought, well, you know, if they're based off me and people I know, why don't we kind of take a documentary approach and try and make it as realistic as possible in the way that these characters have a different understanding of love, how they approach it. Um, and yeah, that's the kind of way we're trying to go about it. I love the sound of that because, um, as you mentioned, when you think about romantic films, whether they're dramas or comedies, you are drawn to the kind of uh, 1990s, early 2000 kind of flicks. And what I like about this one is it is kind of subverting those stories and bringing it to a modern audience with the use of social media, which, unless I'm being particularly naive, it's not something I've, not a film I've seen where it's kind of used that as its main angle. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that works. Um, I am. I hold my hands up. I've never been on Tinder, but I I've heard many a many a story. Yeah. But again, I I met my wonderful partner on Twitter. So social media certainly does have its 
uh, have its benefits. And going back to the charity work, I have done charity work before for my sins. I ran the London Marathon for a uh, premature baby charity. And mm. it's probably probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done. All the respect for doing that, uh, yeah. doing a movie for the charity. I mean, hopefully, ho- uh, is this movie for charity as well, Red Heart, Blackface? Yes, definitely. We've partnered up with the Rainbow Group here in Amsterdam. They're a charity that looks after, they're kind of like an umbrella charity that looks after different areas of Amsterdam. So they look after like uh, the socially inept, the um, the homeless, and yeah, all the Check them out uh, for all your listeners uh, because they do such great work. And the plan with our film is to use our film to raise money for their cause. So the the premiere night of this film, it's going to be a big charity event where all the ticket sales go to them. Um, we're going to be carrying buckets around to, like, you know, get loose change off people and hopefully raise not only just have a good night to celebrate the making of the film, but raise money and awareness for the Rainbow Group. And that's fantastic. I really applaud that. Um, not just making a film for the passion of it, for, but to also help others who may need it. And on that, there is the charity premiere event in Amsterdam. If people want to get involved to help out, what's the email address to contact yourselves at? Oh, that's actually a really good question, mate. See, I'm very lucky. I've got a, a, a <laughs> solid producer who's right next to me who's passed me a business card. Uh, so our main website is www.redheartblankface.com. And on there, you should find uh, all our contacts, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yeah, our email address as well. Awesome. So yeah, if anyone is in, happens to be in Amsterdam or wants to take a trip over there, uh, all the details are on there. You can donate to help the film out as well. As um, the guys and Samuel say, every euro counts. So um, it's for a great cause and it's for a very interesting sounding film. Um, one which I'm very much looking forward to. And you've mentioned about the cast as well. I mean, this is what you call multicultural. You've got Dutch people, Bulgarian, Australian, American, Greeks, Belgium, English, Portugal. I mean, that's multinational for you. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's like, as I was saying, it's based off my own experience in Amsterdam using Tinder. And Amsterdam's such a multicultural city that you'd all constantly uh, come across these different characters and nationalities. And being Australian, you may, uh, Matt, you might know it this yourself, um, but like I can only speak one language being English. And oh, so I do I, know that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I get quite envious when I kind of come to a city like Amsterdam and I meet all these different people. And um uh, maybe it's a bit creepy, but uh, I, I one of my kind of as a writer, I love to like listen in to other people's stories, like walking the street, and I would uh, just kind of go up to a group of people and catch halfway through whatever story they're telling and try and figure out where they'd come from or what trying to story what what drama is happening in their life. But it's uh, something I couldn't do here in Amsterdam because you know, <laughs> there's so many different languages and I couldn't understand. And so what I would have to do is I'd have to try and understand what they're conveying to each other by the rhythm of their voice and the tone and everything like that. And it's, I I don't know, I I find language is so beautiful uh, that I just wanted to incorporate it as much as possible. So when we were going through the whole casting process, uh, we were very lucky because uh, just to backtrack a bit, my producer, Catherine, she was my producer in um, on our last film, How to Time Travel, and she took a leap of faith. I sent her the script and she decided to jump um, 
um, on a plane in May last year, fly over and start producing this film with me. Wow. And uh, yeah, so we started from rock bottom. Well, we'd been working on the script for about close to a year or something of, of that sort. And we, uh, we, because we had no money behind us, we just had just a lot of passion. And you can't really take passion to a bank and exchange it for anything. So um, sadly, not. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So we were. Um, we were just asking everyone in Amsterdam. We got uh, um, a little hotel uh, room. Um, well, it's not really a room, kind of like this old part of a hotel. We dressed it up as an audition space, and we just sent out um, a, a like a, a casting call to all the acting schools, all the agencies, like Facebook groups and everything. Thank goodness for social media because I don't think we would have got the quality of the cast we did without it. And, yeah, we got a big reply, but uh, we were definitely looking at um, – uh, one of the things we, we said to the actors is like, I had written the characters with my friend, Amelie, and because they're based off real life people, what we wanted to do when the actor was cast in their role, we wanted, I wanted to hand over the character to that actor and the actor would take the character and develop to any way they wanted. So the audition process was very important because, uh, Kat, my producer and I, we needed to kind of trust the actor that we were working with. Um, and it was amazing the turnout that we had. We were actually swamped by the end of it, by the number of people that came to, um, yeah, audition for our little film. But the 16 um, uh, actors that we ended up casting were just perfect for the role. And during this handover process of their character to these actors to look after, they've had this – it's a kind of like I've, I've given them the creative freedom to go wild and just the faith that they're going to do the right thing. We're halfway through the shoot now, and I've got to say that all the actors we've had, um, all the shots, that, all the scenes that we've shot so far with the actors that we've had, they've done such a fantastic job, and I'm really looking forward to the other half of the shoot. That must be fantastic to be able to work with a cast, and I'm, as well as a crew, of course, but a cast who – Obviously, you've sent out the call to the local talent, so you know they're going to come on board and they're going to they're going to give their all because they are working on a passion project um, of their own passion as well. When you when you handed over the roles, did um did any of them change from what you'd originally preconceived or from your own experience, or were they all kind of similar to how you uh, thought they would be? Um, so, so there was similar in the grand aspect of things, but the little details that they changed, um, were, was perfect. Uh, so it's kind of, it's like any changes they did make were good changes because the casting process was we had the 16 characters that we have in the film. They're so distinctly different that when we were casting, we were trying to cast as close to character as possible. So for instance, we've got like a highly introverted character. So when an actor came in, we were trying to gauge if they're extroverted or introverted. And if they're introverted, maybe they'll perfect be perfect for this role. And what we find, what we found if we cast as close to character as possible, when we handed over the character to the actor, they had more of an understanding of the character than I ever did. So any changes they've made was made to kind of make the character I'd written more natural, more realistic, more grounded in like the story that I want to tell. So yeah, it was just, it was, it was, it was a perfect partnership with each 16 of them. And it makes sense because you're also going to get that more of an authentic performance on screen or in, or behind, in front of the camera as well. Exactly. Um, for, so, for somebody who's never made a film, i.e. me, mm. um, 
what is the process for getting it off the ground? Because you've mentioned, obviously, the casting, but then there's other things like the crew, the locations, uh, equipment, soundtrack, even the script. Where do you begin to even start to get to, to put this all together? Oh, mate, I, I've got to say it always begins with story. Well, for me, everyone would have a different answer, but for me, mm-hmm. it always begins with story. Like, I, I love telling stories, so I had to kind of – I had to think of a story that I could tell for a couple of years because I have to tell the story when I cast actors. I have to tell the story when we're doing rehearsals, when I pitch it to people, when we actually shoot the film, when I'm editing it. You know, you have to tell the same story until the very end. So I I would always say start with a great story that you're happy to tell over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's any film can take a different route. Uh, like the most common way is uh, obviously write the script, sell the script, get money for it, you know, pay people. Uh, for my producer and I, it's completely different. Um, I, I'm quite impatient in that sense where – uh, I can't just wait around and just wait for money to come in so I can shoot this story that I'm dying to tell. I just want to get it over and done with. And with this project, we're quite lucky because the story is about millennials trying to look for love. So we decided that everything about this film has to feel millennial. So even the title, Red Heart, Blank Face, um, there are two emojis, the red heart and the blank face, and it basically yeah. summarizes up the whole film. Um, uh, the, with the camera we're shooting on, we're shooting on with the, the most recent iPhone because I wanted to awesome. have like a smartphone look to it because it's these people trying to find love through smartphones. So I wanted the, the look of the film, the aesthetic, to have a very uh, smartphone look to it. Everything has to kind of assist the story. Um, But to go back to your question of how to eventually make it, all I can tell you is the process that we go about. So I wrote the script and um, then we went through the casting process. Uh, Mm -hmm. While we're casting, um, uh, my producer, Catherine, was looking for money to kind of get the film off its feet. But we always knew that the end product would be um, a premiere for a charity event. So, yeah, that was kind of like the top of the mountain. And what we had to do is figure out, okay, how do we climb that mountain to get to that point? Uh, And, yeah, unfortunately, money has been a big problem for us because money's just so convenient. Um, if you know, it opens up so many doors and everything like that. And because we've had so little to none, we've just been asking for a lot of favors and deals. So, for instance, the locations—it's just us knocking on the door, meeting the person face to face, pitching the project, and explaining transparently that you know this is what we've got and this is what we want to make. Could you help us out? And a lot of the time, sometimes it's no, like, because people want money. Um, yeah, cool. And, yeah, like, which is fair. Like, you know, the world's a business, so you got to play the <laughs> game. But there are genuine people, uh, specifically uh, here in Amsterdam, that have just helped us with no questions asked. They've just offered their help. They've given locations for free. A lot of the actors have given their time for free. Um, and the same with the crew as well. I've got to thank my crew who have stuck with me because we've just had some really shitty days on set where we've just struggled through. But everybody stuck together because, I don't know, I guess we're very lucky to have created a really good team that um, have the same passion to see the end result, to get to the top of this mountain. I guess as with the cast, if you have a crew of people who are all zeroing on in on the same target and are all doing it for the love of film rather than any other motive, then 
it must be quite a good set to work on, even with the obviously the issues you're facing with funding and whatnot. Well, that's absolutely right. I, I found it on my last feature film because it was the same thing. We're little to no money trying to make a feature, which is a big task to ask of everybody. Yeah. But because everybody's on the same playing field, I'm not getting paid more than anyone else. My producer's not getting paid more than anyone else. Everyone's getting paid and treated the exact same. And there's no promise of like a big gold pot at the end of the rainbow. So everyone's just trying to put in their absolute best to just create a good product for the sake of being creative, being artists. Yeah, and that um, obviously without seeing the the footage, that, I mean, that should surely show on screen as well. If you've got a, a happy cast, a passionate cast, um, that should come across in the story and uh, in the overall product. Oh, definitely. Matt, you, you, you must know this yourself, being a cinema goer. You know when you watch a film and you just know that these guys, they had fun during the making of this film. And then you watch oh, a absolutely. film and you just see these guys did not have fun. And yeah. it, it just it affects the quality of the film in total. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you, I think you, you kind of touched upon this earlier on, but why Amsterdam? Because obviously um, you're, you're, an Austra- you're an Australian man. Have you recently moved to Amsterdam? Did you move for the film or what uh, brought you there and why? Because I've never been there, um, but why Amsterdam as a city? Well, Matt, you have to come and then you'll answer your own question. It's just <laughs> so beautiful. Uh, I first came here in 2000. So I'm 29 now okay. um, and I came here in 2010 and I was here for the weekends. I was like, you know, one of those young 20s traveling through Europe, you know, and just being obnoxious. Uh, <laughs> and I um, I just fell in love with the city. It was three cities I fell in love with. It was Rome, Prague and Amsterdam. But Amsterdam, I just, yeah, there was something about it. And I said to myself when I was that age, one day I need to live in one of these three cities. And I chose Amsterdam over Rome and Prague because they speak English. Uh, perfectly. Yeah. The Dutch are just fantastic with, with English. So I've never had any kind of language barriers here while I've been here. And um, yeah, it's just gorgeous. I, there's something quite romantic and seedy about Amsterdam at the same time. It's <laughs> just got so much history and it's the just a complete 180 to what I'm used to in regards to people, weather, culture, you know, history, the whole lot um, that I, I just loved it. I moved here three years ago and my goal was to make my second feature film in Europe. Um, right. Yeah, I had like that was just like my big goal with no details, but I always loved Amsterdam as a as a base. And it's been a, a, an absolutely fantastic home for me uh, over the past three years. Yeah, I've got... Um family who are from Holland so I've seen pictures and I've heard all the stories about Amsterdam uh the like I say the seedier sides and the kind of more romantic sounding ones the taking the bicycle ride over the cobbled streets over the bridges and that and I've seen it and when I've seen it in films it does kind of look like a picturesque postcard city where at every turn is something new to just wonder at um it is a place which I would like to go and see um but with your recommendation, probably speed that up slightly more now. <laughs> or you can come for the premiere. We plan to have it in August. So, yeah, mate, I'd love to see you there. I was going to say, when can we expect the movie to be released? And um, once it is out, how can people see it? 
Uh, well, our current plan is uh, August. Uh, we um, we always try and set a deadline because I, I don't want to be one of those filmmakers who's in just post-production hell, editing this, <laughs> fine-tuning that. I just kind of want to get the, the film made. I just I, I feel like I've got like a million stories to tell in like a film format that I just kind of want to get this one out, get it complete, and move on to the next uh, movie. So uh, our plan is uh, August sometime. We're still contacting a lot of venues and uh, the number one thing is finishing the film but uh we've kind of scheduled all our post-production that we hopefully will hit it for an august deadline and then after that uh it's just festival submissions doing the festival circuit mm-hmm. and from there that's when we plan um like a like an online distribution or what have you well i'd certainly like to be there for the premiere um so any details you do have i'll be more than willing to listen to them yeah um and I'll be interested. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where it goes. I, so, I mean, you say you're halfway through, and you've got your deadline. You, I would you say you're on track? Is there has has filming itself has that been okay and on schedule? When yeah. You, when you take out the kind of obviously the other issues in terms of filming, has that all gone okay? Yeah, filming's been going great. Like you always have your, your hiccups here and there, but yeah. like that's the beauty of making art. It's like you have to go through a lot of struggle to get a great result. And, um, like a lot of the time it's factors that are just out of your control, uh, i.e. being weather or somebody being sick or a family member, you know, passing away and you just have to just roll with the punches. Uh, and that's where like the team, the team comes together to creatively think of, you know, a solution to all these different issues that pop up. Uh, but that, that's, that's the beauty of filmmaking. That's what I love the most. Uh, I always find like the three parts of filmmaking, i.e. like the pre-production, which is like just mostly writing and preparing, is quite lonely. And then the second part of shooting where you actually get to collaborate with people and you get to see the film start to form is one of the most funnest parts. And then um, the third part of editing all the footage that you've collected, that's also a very lonely process. But you you get to see the finish line, which is a nice part of it. But, but because we're now in the second part here, I just love it. It's a lot of fun just working with actors. And to begin with, I talked to myself a lot about the story and trying to analyze the story and where the scene needs to go and where the beat needs to come and where we need to turn this. But it's really helpful to talk to an actor and bounce off them because as I was saying before, I've kind of given them the character to look after when I revisit this actor and we talk about the character. I just love where they've taken them and the ideas that they've put in. And it just gets me more and more excited about the film. Um, and I just I, I I I'm more of a team sport kind of guy more than a, like a solo sport like tennis or whatever. Uh, I, yeah. I love team sports, and I always find the shooting process is more of a team sport kind of activity. You you mentioned that the actors you have your input with the actors and obviously see where they want to take their part of the story. I mentioned that earlier on mm. whether the characters had changed due to the casting process. Has the story changed at all? Has an actor come to you and said, well? why don't we do this or why don't we try that? And it's actually worked out better than what had been originally intended. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I am just, I couldn't be happier. It it puts a lot more work on my plate because they take the character and they go, well, actually my character wouldn't do this. As it said Mm -hmm. in the script, my character would do this. 
And I just find it fascinating. I was like, of course, great. And so I talk with the actor and we kind of brainstorm some ideas. And then I have to go away and write, rewrite that part of the scene and I send it back to them. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. Everyone's kind of coming together to make every part of the film better, their character better, their scene better. And, yeah, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Yeah, that must be validating for you as well as the the brains behind it all to know that the guys who are working with you are that in tune with the characters or the the people who you have, you know, created from your experiences, you know, that they've taken them on board and they're willing to run with them and actually taking them to heart somewhat so that must be that must be validating for yourself oh definitely because it just brings the whole quality of the film up and th- that that's all i want at the end of the day i just want to make a film that i can just watch over and over and over and over again and just enjoy it every single time or like you know a film that you can like show your friends and mm-hmm. you know we all just have a, a good night in watching it oh and on that what is that the most rewarding part of your role would you say is having that input from the cast or is there anything else which is um just as good and just as satisfying oh mate that's a really good question um uh, oh it, put you on the spot though yeah yeah no it, it's because like the, the, those kind of questions i can't really answer until the project's finished and i can mm-hmm. have a bit more perspective and reflect on it but if i was to answer now what's the most rewarding process i definitely I definitely believe it's probably the social aspect of the filmmaking Um, because like, yeah, in my life, I love movies. I love film. And so to kind of create a project where I get like-minded people to come on board and create a film with me and this idea that I have, and we can share ideas. I think that's the most rewarding process because every film I've made, I've kept in contact with a lot of, you know, everyone that was on board. And so I know that the relationships I'm making today as we make this current film is going to carry on to years to come and that's fantastic to hear uh, and it was it's also exciting to think that once the once the project is finished that answer may 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 have a caveat may completely change there may be two or three more things which you add to that um you mentioned other films how did you get started you know in in the film industry and directing and writing Oh, well, uh, my parents are both uh, in the entertainment industry. Uh, So my dad was in the film industry, but he was a film distributor. So he was more on the business side of films. And my mum was more into music management. But uh, the great thing about those two jobs is that they would constantly bring home new DVDs or new videos. So our library at home was just stacked with like DVDs and videos and like, oh, it was just amazing. Um, and I would just, I'm, I come across as an extrovert, but I'm more of an introvert. I just love to just chill at home. And so, uh, I would watch like nearly everything. My dad's a big Western fan. So he would constantly be, you know, uh, putting, uh, Westerns on in the background. Um, he would always, he loves listening to musical scores, Um, so, you know, instead of like listening to the radio in the morning, he would listen to like a score by, by whoever, but mostly spaghetti Westerns or, um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, so from there I was just kind of, I had this huge exposure to cinema and movies and there's just something, I don't know. I, I, I just loved the magic of movies. I love, I, even to this day, um, when I was a kid, I loved going into the movies and then it'd go pitch black and I couldn't feel or see anything. And <laughs> then, you know, the screen would brighten and you'd just be lost in this world of the story for however long it that, is. Yeah. 
And even today, the same thing happens where for some reason, if I'm feeling a bit down and out, all I need to do is just pick myself up, carry myself to the cinema, watch a film. And as soon as the film begins, I'm just carried away into this world. And I absolutely love it. And I think it's like a natural drug to me. And it's always something that I've wanted to do. So in uh, it's it's the classic story of filmmakers where like if you had a camera as a kid you'd make little films and sure enough that's exactly what I did I would get like my cousins and my brother to do like little skits anytime we had a school project um, and like there's an assignment where you know you get the choice of uh, you know doing a poster or doing a performance or making a video I would always choose make a video I just I found it yeah I, I love the creative aspect of making a video and uh when i finished high school i went to the international film school of sydney i believe it's changed its name now to something else but uh it was a two-year intensive course Mm -hmm. and um yeah i just i was a sponge during those two years and then after that i was just like the route that you get taught is um or like the main route to kind of becoming a filmmaker is just like make a couple of short films hopefully they get seen and noticed and then have a feature film script ready and then try and sell that and once it's sold you'll get a budget then you can make your little low budget feature film and yada 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 but i just i was always in love with feature films i just i didn't want to make short films or music videos in saying that i have made short films and music videos but i just wanted to just i don't care i don't care how low budget it is i just love telling stories over 90 minutes i think um th- there's something there's something th- it, it, it's 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 a specific art it's like the difference between like uh, like painting and photography for me mm-hmm. uh, compared to like short films and feature films. Um, and so, uh, yeah, once I graduated, I was just like dicking around for a couple of years, just trying to figure out how do I get into this? And then one day, I, I don't know what it was. Maybe I was listening to like a, a, a crap load of motivational videos, but um, yeah, something just said, just make a, a feature film. It doesn't matter what, just grab a camera. You've got everything you need. Just make a feature film. And I did. And my first feature film that I did in Melbourne was kind of like a second film school for me because I had to kind of learn all the processes again, you know, from pre-production, casting, writing and everything to production to post-production. And um, the hands-on experience was just like a second film school. And so when I started this um, uh, this current feature film, it's almost like a third, it's like, like a third film school. And I love it. I'm learning so much from each actor and um i'm yeah just asking questions everywhere i go uh to try and get like the best performance or like you know the best camera angle or whatever i always find learning as you go is the best way to make the best kind of art so just to clarify for everybody listening this man loves films yes (laughs) no nothing wrong with that whatsoever it's fantastic um so i think it's fair to say then that the magic of film has actually intensified now that you're making it because I know I know some people or I've spoken to other people who who don't like watching uh, behind the scenes footage and things like that because they don't like the magic to be taken away. Once you see um, the Millennium Falcon is actually has been cut in half and is only half a set compared to a real ship, people think oh uh, it takes it away from a bit. But obviously from what you've just said, it seems like actually the creation uh, and molding your own kind of well, baby has um only increased that sort of sense of well magic and wonder 
which is what films do so well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I completely disagree with everybody who says, like, watching <laughs> behind the scenes takes away the magic. If anything, it adds more to the magic. I was mm-hmm. I was watching, I think it was uh, The Force Awakens. Yeah, it was. It was The Force Awakens making of. And seeing, like, all those creative people behind the scenes making the miniatures or even making the big Millennium Falcon, it just it blew my mind because – you know, it's just amazing. You're getting all these artists on board to create these little details for one story. And it's it's something you don't even notice when watching a film unless you watch the behind the scenes, how much work and effort went into it. But you've got to give those people credit because, yeah, um, obviously, you know, the director and all the actors get top billing, but it's those people behind the scenes that are putting so much creative artistry in these little details that make the story as a whole. And I love things like that because some of the time, these little things you probably won't even see in the film, let alone notice. Exactly. But somebody has spent however long of their own time crafting it and moulding it. And I also said recently that when you watch the end credits of any film, it doesn't matter if it's if it's made with no budget or a $200 million superhero film, just the amount of people who work on one film. It's, it's incredible. incredible. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And what they, um, like, as you say, what they bring to it is, um, is fantastic. Because yeah, you th- you think of the main cast as being in the film, but behind that is an awful lot of people putting their damnedest into it. Yeah, no, no, I can, I, I completely agree. And even like, I can only speak for my my crew that's working on this film. They are just putting so much effort in, and it's just, it's it's somewhat heartbreaking to me because people won't really get to see their true efforts in the final product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, it, it is really incredible. But you know it's there, so... Mm-hmm. And, as, and I guess you guys on the shoot will also, will also obviously remember that. Yeah, definitely. So, is is this a long-term thing then, to stay in Europe or Amsterdam, or are you ever going to go back home to make films or kind of flip between the two? Oh, it's a really good question. It's a conversation I've been having with my producer, Catherine, uh, lately, because we've basically just planned life up until August. My life is just <laughs> surrounding this film up until the premiere date. But um, so uh, the first film was made in Melbourne for charity. The second film was made in Amsterdam for charity. And we like the way that sounds. So we're thinking of maybe going to a different city making another film, finding a charity and yeah, attaching ourselves to them and, you know, raising money through the film to, you know, for their charity and their awareness. Uh, I don't know what, I do have a couple of ideas in mind, but they're, they're, yeah, they're still, yeah, they're still underbaked. And you've still got another film to finish in the meantime. Exactly. Yeah. I can't, (laughs) I can't get too ahead of myself. I do that way too often. So I need to calm down and just be in the present. Rain yourself in. Exactly. As you say. Um, what's the toughest thing about getting a project done? Is it the funding? Is it, uh, or is there kind of other issues that cut that crop up during it? Or, you know, what's the hardest thing about actually getting a film from start to that first screening? Oh, man. Uh, I, I can give you a whole list of things. Uh, pr- presently, the hardest thing for me is we're halfway through and I've kind of come across like shooting fatigue where I'm just finding my body just like, whoa, it's done. It's over. Because not only am I working on the film, I'm working part time to fund like my whole lifestyle. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so I've had to like eat healthy again, watch my diet, exercise. So recently, that's been the biggest problem for me personally. But I reckon. For this specific project, it's 
constantly being on and um, pitching the project to everyone. Uh, like I have not stopped pitching this project uh, for like the last Oh, it's been over a year, and I think every day I have to pitch it to somebody, whether it be an actor, whether it be a location, whether it be somebody we need to kind of, you know, help us out in a little way. But you, every time you pitch, you have to just be convinced that what you're saying is absolute truth. I can't pitch and just be like half-assed about it and just be like, yeah, do you want to help or blah. No, I have to be absolutely convinced that their time will be well spent on this film and – um yeah, so I it, it it kind of I I kind of yeah, there's it's a lot of energy going into it. Um but yeah, for me I might have a different answer later on which might kick me, which I might kick myself about for not answering it, but uh yeah, I think for me that would be the hardest thing. And it goes back to obviously having that particular specific love for your project having to be able to sort of wake up every day and throw yourself back in it as if it's the first day whether that's with the actors the cast um location uh, managers or anybody um so i can imagine it could be it must be quite tough obviously yeah. having to be on it the whole time even if you do love the story it must be quite tough yeah, definitely. But I, I think if I was to give any advice to any uh, filmmakers out there is try not to focus on the hardest, focus on what you love about the project. Like, um, uh, I, I guess maybe it was, it was the reason why it was so difficult for me to answer that last question. It's because I, I, yeah, I don't wake up thinking, oh, this is going to be hard or this is going to be d- difficult. I always think, oh, I just, I just love, I love movies. I love making films. I, I'm just so lucky to be in the position I am at this part of my life. And yeah, just keep on rolling with that energy more than the negative energy. Yeah, that makes a hell of a lot more sense yeah. than uh, being a curmudgeon every day. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, think about that. When when August comes and the premiere's finished and they're sweeping up the auditorium and the foyers, how do you think you're going to feel? Because like you say, it's a, it's a labour of love. Uh, you spend so much time and energy on one project and then it's kind of finished, you know. What do you what what do you feel once that's finished and how long is it before you move on? Oh, mate, uh, uh, look, I, I have a strange feeling that I am going to go through like a, a project depression because I, I it happened to me with my last film where because mm-hmm. you know you as you said you spend so much time and effort and energy on one thing that then it's over it's just okay what do I do now uh, I, I do plan to like go get some sun and go on a holiday after August. But I, I think uh, to avoid uh, what happened on the, on the first film, I'm already starting to brainstorm what I want to do for the third film. So once this film finishes, I can just go on to the next project. But yeah, there is, there is that film kind of depression you do go through at the end of a project and hopefully I can avoid it this time. Like a bit like a breakup. Exactly. So, you're gonna, <laughs> so you'll be sunning yourself, uh, beer or cocktail in one hand, and I imagine a notepad and pen in the other, furiously writing down the script for the next film. Yeah, and it, it I, yeah, that's exactly right. But I think it, it's not necessarily the project; it's the people that you don't get to work with anymore. It's like I have to say goodbye to all the actors, all the crew, and yeah, fingers crossed we get a chance to work with each other in the future. But like, there's no promises, especially in this industry. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have a do you have like a core crew that you take with you everywhere, or is it just based in 
the city or the project you're currently working on? Uh, so uh, for, for for this film, I do have a core crew. There's about uh, one, two, three. There's about five or six of us. Um, and yeah, every time, like my producer and I, we have a rule that we only get people working on the film that we could have a beer with after. If we can't, you know, have like a social kind of relationship outside of the film, I don't want to be working with them on the film. And so we're very lucky. Yeah, right. And so we're very lucky to have chosen a really solid, strong, talented crew that we can hang out with afterwards. So, um, yeah, that's very fantastic. But in regards to a core crew, like um, the only person who's kind of carried on – oh, actually, sorry, there's two. So my previous producer of my previous film has carried on to this one. And uh, one of the actors from the previous film has come on to this one as well. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're very lucky, but those are the only two, because as you can imagine, Amsterdam and Melbourne are too far apart. Yeah, you can't just get on a bike and uh, cycle between the two of them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, actually, I've completely forgotten someone. Our sound designer, Brian, he um, did all the sound work on our last film, and he's going to do the sound on this one. And thank God for the internet, because we can just, like, work via the internet, um, you know, sending files back and forth, make that happen. Well, I was going to say, your film is obviously based around a social media app. How important is social media for promoting your projects? And how, you know, it must, like you mentioned, it is a godsend. It must be an absolute godsend when it comes to getting the word of the film out there. Definitely, 100%. Um, Especially in this day and age, uh, like social media is just, yeah, uh, it's just incredible. Like, I, and to be honest, I can't imagine how they did it before then. Like, we're, 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 it's just been such a great tool for us. Now, as I say this, it should be noted that I'm not looking after the social media pages or anything like that. I'm actually quite, I, I, I have like addiction problems <laughs> to like um, these, uh, like Facebook and everything like that. I can't stay on there for too long. Otherwise, I lose half a day. But um, <laughs> we've got um, uh, a beautiful beautiful girl working on this called chris and she's looking after the instagram pages the facebook and it really helps every time we need something for the film we just throw it up on facebook or instagram whether it be you know a car for a scene or a few extras and we get responses so it's another tool to help get the film made and it's free so uh, and it's free which is great uh, for our budget yeah i mean that's how i found the film is via social media um I found it via Instagram and that's what kind of int- uh, turned me on to the idea of checking it out more and wanting to find out more. Yeah. Um, so that's why I asked because that's how I came about it. And I'm just a guy, a bloke from nor- uh, somewhere north of London. Yeah, here I am talking about a film thought up in Australia now being made in Amsterdam with a multinational cast. <laughs> so social media certainly worked in my case. But yeah, I can't imagine or I can't think how they would have done it. I'm almost... Uh, willing to say in the old days because i can't remember a time without the internet now or even social media even that's only been what 10 15 years so i've got no idea how they would have put out those calls yeah me neither yeah but yeah i can imagine it's fantastic and uh keep on keeping on because you're doing a great job with it mm. who in terms of directing or just films in general who are the people who've inspired you or ha- or just simply do still inspire you Oh, mate, that's a hard one. Uh, and you know what? People ask me this question all the time, but it always varies. Uh, like at the moment, oh, yeah, no, 
Okay, well, I'll give you an example. Like, for this film in particular, like, each character has a different style. And so I kind of, like, touch into different directors for whatever the character style is. Um, and for the film as a whole, because it's low budget, I have been looking at like a lot of low budget filmmakers. As I mentioned before, we're shooting on the iPhone. So I was looking at the works of uh, Sean Baker, who did Tangerine, yeah. which was shot on the iPhone and most recently the Florida project. Um, and then I'd look at like someone like Danny Boyle, um, who who's always using different cameras to tell a story. I think Danny Boyle is just quite incredible. Most recently for writing, I've been looking at Richard Linklater, who did like the Before trilogy and Boyhood. Yeah, I just yeah. love how natural his dialogue is. Um, I love Woody Allen films because I love how Woody Allen is just able to kind of just produce a film yearly. I just, I really appreciate um, that as an artist that he's just able to kind of find the time and this method of just kind of, you know, throwing uh, projects out constantly. Um, yeah, but who I could talk about nearly every director. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, most recent, uh, like I, we were talking before about behind the scenes stuff, and every time I watch behind the scenes stuff, it kind of influences me. Uh, like the one of the greatest behind the scenes um, I've seen of any film is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, um, yeah, it's just incredible that extended edition where they go into detail about every single aspect of making Lord of the Rings. It really made me fall in love with Peter Jackson and like the work he does. And he himself, he just didn't have any film school behind him. Uh, he, sorry, he didn't go to any film school. So he was just a kid in the backyard trying to make films. And like that kind of, yeah, that kind of, you know, upbringing is something that I can relate to. Same with like, you know, Spielberg and Christopher Nolan. Uh, they didn't go to film school. And yeah, look where they are now. They just like have a strong love for movies and st- telling stories. It's not a bad roll call of names there, to be fair. Well, yeah, it's it's what I keep telling myself in the morning. If you're gonna if you're gonna take inspiration, you take inspiration from those who are doing similar similar things, like say with Sean Baker uh, and recently Steven Soderbergh with uh, the film Uns- Unsane. That was filmed on iPhone as well. Yes, yes, yeah. And in terms of Nolan, Spielberg, uh, Richard Linklater, brilliant writers, brilliant directors. If you could if you could take stuff from them, then you know. Surely you're on a surely you're on the path to glory somewhere. Yeah, well, let's hope so. That's the plan. Yeah. If you could, let's just say, in an ideal world, you could work, you could cast any actor or actress in your film. Who who would you pick? Who are the kind of talent oh. out there you'd love to be able to say, right, good morning. This is the scene we're working on. Who do you have? Um, oh, that's a real difficult one. Like, if Heath Ledger was still alive, I'd definitely choose Heath Ledger. Like, um, as an Australian growing up with Heath, Heath Ledger in Australia, he was just such a talent. And then when he went international, I just thought, oh, wow, just seeing how he grew. And um, there was a recent recent documentary about Heath Ledger, called, I think it's called I Am Heath. Yeah, I saw that quite recently on the television over here. Yeah, and just the way he lived his life is something I can really relate to. So I would love to have worked with him, but obviously circumstances as they are. I really love, um, I really love Shia LaBeouf. Um, I, you know, a lot of people don't like him, but I really love the way he kind of just throws himself into characters and just. There's a film that came out maybe last year or the year after called American Honey. And yes. I just I found that he was just brilliant. And every project um, he kind I, I I really respect how he could have easily gone like the big block blockbusters and made a shit. Oh sorry, I hope I'm not allowed to swear. 
Uh, uh, go for it. Okay, You're just a ton of money. Um, but he kind of decided to kind of back away from that and do real, um, like, passion projects, something that he yeah. could connect with as an artist. And I guess, yeah, I for actors, I like actors that are artists. As wanky as that term sounds, they're not in it for the money. They're in it for kind of creating a character from the ground up. Uh, who else? Um, uh, yeah, see, that's another question. I've just got a million in my head because, like, some are, like, personal favorites or some I'd be intrigued to work with for different reasons, like – um, I, I am biased towards Australians, so like Guy Pearce and Kate Blanchett, I would, or you know Jeffrey Rush, I would love to work with all the Australian actors out there. Um, oh, and Hugh Jackman, I saw. Um, of course, I could forget Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yeah. How could I forget Huey? Um, I saw The Greatest Showman uh, uh, when it came out at the end of last year, and I just, mm. I was just, I, I just left feeling like a million bucks. And then I remembered Hugh Jackman released The Greatest Showman and Logan last year. And if you look at both those uh, bodies of work, completely different. And that's what I really respect about Hugh, the fact that he can go from like a superhero, an intense superhero to like singing and dancing and quality singing and dancing at that is just, for me, that just blows me away. Shia LaBeouf, you can work for whatever is off-screen shenanigans. I think anybody can deny he is a ridiculously talented actor. Yeah. And Hugh Jackman just seems like a bloody nice guy, as <laughs> well as being an everyman who can sing, he can dance, he can act, he can put uh, Wolverine claws through your eyes. He looks <laughs> like he can do everything and still looks good doing it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've got to throw this out there because I've asked Australian people before and I'm surprised how many people talk to me as if I'm an idiot. Australian music, one of my favourite bands of all time, possibly my favourite band of all time, is an Australian band called UMI. Do you know them? UMI. Um, Tim Rogers and UMI. Look, I'm it, music in general. I'm completely disadvantaged. Like all my <laughs> all my heart has gone to movies. So yeah, like yeah. Sorry, I've never heard of UMI. So I'm the worst Check person to ask. I'm I'm actually writing the note down. Is it just like? Uh, like the letter U and then the it's letter... The, it's the uh, the word U, so Y-O-U. I can't believe I'm under... I'm actually spelling that. <laughs> so, yeah, U and then am I. Am I. Oh, okay. I'll check it I think out. In the, they were big in the 90s and the early noughties, but I always find it fascinating. I'm, again, just a bloke over in England. Oh, man, I love that. It's just no nonsense for music. Is there any specific track I should listen to? Um, depends on depends on what kind of music you like, really. Uh, I'll check it all out then. Yeah. Um. Well, back to back to what we love the most is uh movies. We've you've mentioned the advice earlier on to people wanting to get into films. You know, what would be any other nuggets of wisdom you could give to anybody wanting to get into the business as a whole, whether that be a writer, a producer, director. You know, what? How would you kind of what could you say to steer them into it? Oh man, just do it. Uh, like, yeah, it's the, it's the classic Nike, um, slogan, eh? Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, it, it was one of those things, uh, cause I, I, I struggled with it. And even, even now I still struggle with it. I wouldn't say I'm like in the industry. I'm just a kid making a film with his friends and just got a, like a lot of passion behind my back. But if you truly love it, don't quit. That's all I can say because, you know, people who succeed don't quit. So continue to write, continue to direct or like make little short films with your friends. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with starting off small or going big. But as long as you're doing it, 
I think that's the main thing. Um, and for somebody who really loves making movies or any sort of art, you would know it when you're in the process of making it. The actual process for me is what really counts. When I look back at all my films, I always love the process of making it more than the end product. Uh, and yeah, there's something really fulfilling about, yeah, the process that I I can't explain, but everyone's different. I might just be speaking for myself, but, uh, just keep on doing it and don't quit. It's fantastic advice. And as you said earlier on, just merging that into what you said, story comes first. If you've got, if you've got a phone, iPhone, whatever you've got, there's your camera, set your friends up in front of it and go for it. Yeah, exactly. And as long as you and your friends love what you're making, I reckon that's all that matters. Um, uh, like I, I know from, from myself, there was a project I was working on and all I was thinking about was how is the audience going to receive it? How is the mm-hmm. audience going to respond to this spot uh, at the, like these moments in time? And I was putting myself and my own kind of subjective, you know, um, point of view at, at in the back seat. And it really affected the way I kind of feel towards this film. And uh, so for this current film, I said, as long as myself, my friends, my producers, everyone working on it loves what we're doing and just like, yeah, you get a better product and something that, you know, you can watch over and over again. You know, this film might not be watched by like millions and millions of people, but I know there's a small, there's a small audience for about 50 people that are going to love this film. And for me, that's all that matters. Making this film for that small group of people. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops from from now as well to the final product. And hopefully more and more people get to see it. Um, that's obviously the aim. Um, oh, hopefully definitely. if this show can get one person extra to watch it, then I will be over the moon with that. But, um, <laughs> on that note, that is that for this episode of the What I Watched Tonight show. Thank you so much for coming on today, Samuel. No, thank you for having me, Matt. No problem at all. Where can the world find you and the work uh, on the internet? Okay, so as I said before, our website is www.redheartblankface.com and from there you should find all the links to like my own personal website, our social media pages, and just more information about the project. Yeah, please go and see the great work that is being put, put into uh, Red Heart's Blank Face. There's a ton of people working on it that live and breathe movies uh, and again, there's also the chance to support the movie via donations or becoming involved in the charity premiere of it in Amsterdam in August. If you want to help out, uh, as as I've mentioned, the email address and all the contact details, all on that website. So do go and check that out, guys. So once again, thank you, Samuel, for giving your time. Cheers, Matt. Thank you. No worries. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can catch the episodes on our website, which is whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Uh, and subscribe to the show on iTunes by searching for the What I Watch Tonight show. If you like what you hear, share it with everybody you know. If you don't like what you hear, just keep it to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And just don't forget, everybody, don't neglect to tell your grandmothers about it. But until next time, see ya.